welcome to A Book a Week, the podcast. I'm your host, Molly. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode 14 of the podcast, and today we'll be reviewing Jennifer Nivens's New York Times bestselling novel, All the Bright Places. Now, this is my first episode in about a month, and I have a good excuse in that I got married. And so um, the last month has been an incredible whirlwind of uh, overall very wonderful things. Uh, but because of those wonderful things, I have let this podcast fall to the side. And now that I have uh, finished up a wedding, honeymoon, I am now back home in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I am excited to uh, produce more episodes because I've really missed it. I've really missed reading regularly. And I've also missed uh, just recording these episodes. It's a lot of fun uh, to finish up each one. And they're really not hard to do. It's just I've been pulled in a number of different directions and hence why this podcast exists uh, in order to keep me in check about reading. So if this is the first episode that you're listening to, uh, I say this in every single episode, is that A Book A Week is a podcast very simple that reviews books that can be read in a week's time and a lot of people will say you know as one of their hobbies oh I like reading but you know uh how often do you have to read in order to consider reading a hobby like most people have a few classics that they've read um but they haven't you know read in a long time and honestly I feel like reading is an ongoing uh activity it should never end you should if you if you're a writer you should never stop reading um and if you're just a straight-up reader, you should never quit reading, period. Um, there are always new stories being told, uh, and even though, you know, some books uh, can definitely mimic each other or be influenced by each other, I'm always in search of the next great read, and honestly, sometimes it, even if the book that I read isn't so great, it uh, <clears throat> lets me learn what I'm looking for out of stories and um, makes me appreciate the great novels even more. So I am really thrilled to return um, from a month-long hiatus, first episode in March, and uh, the book that I chose for today is a young adult novel uh, by Jennifer Niven, and it came out, I believe, in 2015, and uh, I had been hearing a lot of really great things about this book. I, I like YA novels. Um, as an adult, I think that they can be read by both teenagers and adults. I am... Um, I, there are a few good ones, and they've definitely, there's been a, a resurgence of YA novels recently um, because of bestsellers like Hunger Games, um, Fault in Our Stars, uh, things like that. And um, I, uh, I also, I'm a, a fan of like Rainbow Rowell, um, another of uh, YA novels. So I picked up this and I read, up, read this book pretty quickly on my honeymoon. It was a great uh, read for flights, um, especially coming back from from Barcelona back to the States. Um, it's uh, fairly easy to read, even though it's um, definitely a lot of emotional ups and downs in the story. And I think it clocks in, I'm just checking real fast, at almost uh, 375 pages. But it is, I would argue, a shorter book because of the comprehension level and also the pages are, the, the font's relatively big and the, 
the pages aren't too long, but it's not all smushed together. So um, if you have the time, you can absolutely read it in a week, hence the name of this podcast. So anyways, uh, let's get started talking about the nuts and bolts of All the Bright Places. Now, um, I'll just go ahead and read you the back of the story in case you're completely unfamiliar with the plot. Alright, so, a heart-wrenching, unflinching story of love shared, life lived, and two teens who find each other while standing on the edge. Theodore Finch is fascinated by death. Every day he thinks of ways he might die, but every day he also searches for and manages to find something to keep him here, and alive, and awake. Violet Markey lives for the future, counting the days until graduation when she could escape her small, town, small Indiana town and her aching grief in the wake of her sister's death. When Finch and Violet meet on the ledge of the Bell Tower at school, six stories above the ground, it's unclear who saves whom. Soon, it's only with Violet that Finch can be himself. And it's only with Finch that Violet forgets to count away the days and starts living them. But as Violet's world grows, Finch's begins to shrink. Um, so that's the general plot of uh, the book. It, the first few pages uh, take place. It literally drops you um, at the top of the bell tower. Both Violet and Finch are there together. They are vaguely aware of one another uh, before this encounter, but um, their story really takes off when they're chance encounter one day before school when they both find themselves on the bell tower not really sure how they got there but both um not really finding motivation to live their own lives uh over the course of the story you find that um finch has had a tougher upbringing um divorced parents and an abusive father and he also has mental illness um issues that he has to battle for most of the book whereas violet um has lost pretty much her whole world when uh, a car accident that uh, she and her sister um, were in about nine months prior to the start of the book uh, killed her sister but left her alive and she has an enormous amount of guilt for still living and uh, no longer finds enjoyment in any of the things that she does. Um, so the two of them find each other uh, and um, begin a friendship while working on a class project and I'd have to say that like uh, it's they're very charming characters the way that they they start out um, Finch much more interested in Violet than Violet in Finch, and um, uh, over time, there I, I like all of the details that Jennifer Nevin included in the book about um, the state of Indiana, having never been there myself. Um, it's interesting because the, the class project that both Violet and Finch work on are finding uh, and journaling about the several of the great. Um, state landmarks that are in Indiana. So I got a very clear picture of kind of the town that they lived in, um, this kind of cold, frigid Indiana town. And I think she did a great job of setting the environment and the world in which Violet and Finch live in. And this is just one kind of um, a side observation is, I, and I would do the same thing, that's not necessarily a criticism, is that um, in a lot of YA novels, I noticed that the main characters a lot of times there's romance because that's uh, one of the interesting plots that you can do in high school. Um, but uh, a lot of the main characters in YA novels I'm noticing are having like very um, quirky names. Like the Fault in Our Stars, their names were Hazel and Augustus, which are not incredibly common names. And in this, their names are Theodore Finch. He goes by Finch. So Finch and Violet Markey. And um, I just thought it was funny that I'm seeing in a number of books that uh, we're getting some quirkier names, not some more common names. And honestly, I think that if I was writing a uh, young adult novel, 
I would do the same. Like, I wouldn't want to do just any kind of run-of-the-name, <clears throat> run-of-the-mill name that you probably know someone with that name. I think I would want to do something uh, interesting or... Because I've never met anyone who goes by Finch or Violet. Uh, the only Violet I know of is in um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So uh, I just appreciated their um, unique names. And honestly, um, reading this book, I, I mean, I, I liked this book more than I did The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Um, there has been a trend, I feel like, in romance books or things like that that uh, a lot of times people, like, you know, in past fiction, um, people would save themselves or, you know, they would go through a tremendous battle, but there would always be happy resolution. And there, I've definitely noticed a trend in literature, uh, both young adult and romance, that they're actually going to that place of tremendous sadness where uh, they don't necessarily save each other, but they're think thankful that they found one another before an untimely death. And spoiler alert, um... I was actually really disappointed that this is where the book eventually went, but of course uh, Finch has uh, has a number of issues that he's battling. Um, the book um, greatly hints at that it, it's most likely bipolar disorder or manic depression, and um, he keeps it hidden from most people in his world. Uh, his mother is kind of um, uh, distant, um, unattached, so she doesn't know what's going on, and he ends up giving, you know, like his high school counselor and his mother like um kind of the slip about as to what's going on so uh it's really not um not hard to see why many people didn't see the warning signs but uh when reading this book you can see them everywhere in terms of the path that uh Finch is headed towards at the start of the novel and that he found himself on top of the bell tower um thinking about death thinking about suicide it's um all-consuming of his thoughts, and yet with all these warning signs, no one can uh, necessarily um, understand what's going on, not even Violet, who he let um, in closest to him. So it's very upsetting and troubling at the end of the, the novel, very close to the novel's conclusion, when Finch disappears uh, for a long period of time. Um, his family thinks that he'll come back because that's what he always does when he disappears, he comes back. But Violet eventually figures out that it's something deeper. And eventually they discover him having uh, drowned himself uh, by suicide, which is uh, very upsetting and very sad. Um, but that's how their story went. And you feel both bad for Finch that no one was able to help him in his greatest time of need, that no one saw the signs. And of course, we're supposed to see the signs as the readers getting an, an intimate view of both of their lives. And then um, it's also sad for Violet because not only has she lost her sister and best friend of last year, but the person that she lets back into her life, she loses again. So it's a cycle of of losing. But even though she luckily, like Finch's introduction into her life helped her write again, helped her um, enjoy many of her hobbies. So his influence is positive even if she ultimately is unable to save him, um, which is very sad. And um, part of me wishes that I hadn't read um, some of these other, like, sad, you know, untimely uh, deaths and love stories that have also been popular, like Fault in Our Stars and Me Before You. Like, those made me feel, like, 
very emotionally manipulated in terms of the way things went, you know, like star-crossed lovers, at least they found themselves before the other one passed away, you know, things like that. But in this case, there never was that, like, surprise because it was always hinted at, but I held on to the hope, and you know, while reading this book, that Finch could be saved because, you know, he was deeply troubled, but he was, you know, um, a special character that Jennifer Niven wrote, and I grew fond of him, both him and Violet, and um, I really enjoyed the journey that they went on together, you know, as high school seniors, both broken in their own ways, but finding a mutual friendship and eventually romance, and, um, you know, it's, it was definitely um, heartbreaking to read the way in which it eventually went, but it built up to it. There were no surprises in which you were like emotionally manipulated by some of these other books. And again, that's my opinion. Some people feel very differently about me before you and Fault in Our Stars, but with all the right places, um, I even though I was upset about Bidge's death, I think it was important to show that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, people don't always show the most obvious warning signs. Um, some people are very hard to um, save in that fact that suicide is a, a very common issue. Um, you know, like, it's really important to talk about these types of issues, and I'm really glad that a book like this stands so prominent and has been so appreciated in the young adult uh, genre that uh, definitely thankful for it. Um, I think it's a very moving and touching book, and it's one of my favorite young adult novels that I've read in a little while. I also really enjoyed um, a few years back reading Eleanor and Park, which is also about a romance between these two people, two young young people in high school. And it doesn't have like the happiest of endings, but it also feels more real to me like this book did. Um, you know, I actually like not the um, cookie cutter run of the middle high school books where things are always saved in the, the last hour. Um, and people's problems are fixed by one another. I like the fact that these, these books show that the, the even though you f can find friendship and romance in other people, and they can um, ease suffering and make you feel whole again, they don't fully solve your problems. People won't fully solve the internal problems that you have. Uh, so I thought it was really a beautiful book about um, the issues with like mental illness and depression and suicide that a lot of teenagers face and um i really enjoyed uh, jennifer nivens's book um i'd absolutely recommend it if you're a young adult fan if you're um, a reader of those types of books i think it stands out as one of the better ones of the last few years and on an interesting note um this book uh, is apparently going to be a major motion picture sometime in the future. I think it's being filmed this year and will come out next year, something like that, is what I heard with uh, Elle Fanning, I think supposed to be Violet. Um, so I will be interested in checking out that book. And I definitely, having read this, want to read more by Jennifer Niven. Um, but I definitely need to take a, a bit of a breather. Hopefully the next book that I come back with on the podcast for episode 15 will be a little bit happier in nature because this is a tough pill to swallow. And I was definitely a bit more somber after reading this book. Um, but it's important to have stories that, you know, don't always have the, the happiest of endings because that's not the way life is and um, uh, neither should uh, fiction. Be that way too so um thankful to have picked up this book uh 
now you know more about all the bright places and if you're interested get yourself a copy on a scale of one to ten and this is always the hardest part because this is a, the truest uh, grading scale but i give all the bright places an eight which is pretty high on um, my personal scale i very much enjoyed it it would, and normally i only reserve nine and tens for like my like absolute favorite books of all time i'm very like snooty about that type of thing so i thought that jennifer Nivens's book was great i really wish that i had read some of the other young adult books that also have sadder endings because i inevitably had to compare this book to those for my frames of reference but i think this book holds its own i think it's absolutely worth reading and i think jennifer Nivens did a really great job so i'd like to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode Here's to me being more consistent. I really, really want to do that uh, and get more episodes out because it, it feels good to read and I end up feeling guilty when I don't. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's more fulfilling to have books in my hand and just read a few a month um, instead of going, you know, like six months having read nothing. And it's really not that hard. It's just the hardest part is choosing a book, picking it up and sticking with it. So my goal is to be back next week for another episode. Thank you for joining me. Let's reconnect with reading.